It's day two of the 2023 Cigar Thoughts NFL Draft Spectacular. After leaving round one with the consensus number one cornerback and number one wide receiver in this year's class, the Seahawks look to keep the good vibes rolling. Joining us to see who they add to Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba will be Seattle sports media legend Danny O'Neill for pick 37, roster construction expert Davis Sue for number 52, and the incomparable Griffin Sturgeon for pick 83. Let's light them up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my jet-setting producer, Mike Barwin, this is another very special edition of the Cigar Thoughts podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? Feeling electric, Jackson. I've been absolutely buzzing for the last 24 hours. It's It's been a crazy day and a half, and uh, I cannot wait for another round, another couple rounds of the NFL draft. I know it, man. I know it. You know, I I honestly was euphoric yesterday. I didn't realize how much energy we expended doing this show and watching this draft yesterday until after it was over and we were in post-production. And I just, I was just completely spent, just sagging in the chair. It was awesome. Um yeah, man, I, I I woke up today wondering, okay, if I see this first round with clearer eyes, you know, not so much in the moment, am I still going to be as excited? And guess what, Mike? I am not as excited. I am more excited. This draft got better overnight. How many times consecutively did you watch the uh, 2022 Rose Bowl highlights? Oh, man, it is just playing on loop. I actually went out and bought an extra TV and then constantly rolling yeah just put youtube up there and i just i just have that on repeat because that's how it's going to be every game 15 catches 347 yards yeah easy book it casual casual it it was kind of an unconventional route i mean we talked about this a lot yesterday right it was best player available uh at both picks the seahawks didn't trade down it sounds like they were trying to obviously the pick went down to the wire at 20 but i am pleased with the outcomes i'm pleased with the players like you said they emerged with uh arguably the best corner and the best wide receiver from the draft and they have a shitload of picks left they have there's no reason that they can't get another one today as well so they can they can hammer the trenches now you know and and i don't think it's that arguable that they got the number one uh wide receiver and cornerback and in fact it was kind of seen as uh two quarterbacks at the top of a very good cornerback class with um, Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, and and Witherspoon ended up going what like thirteen picks ahead of Gonzalez, um, and and it sounds like in the aftermath he he was kind of across the league the clear cut number one guy, and then of course Jackson Smith and Jigba just put distance between him and and the rest of the field in the pre draft process uh, as far as the number one wide receiver. So now they've got chances at picks thirty seven, fifty two, eighty three, unless they trade. Uh, do start hitting those um, positions that they haven't done yet. You know, we we talked yesterday. I said, you know, in the first round, I want I want studs. If there's a stud there, get them. I'm less concerned about positional importance. Obviously, great if it lines up with a major need. And and Seattle could certainly get better at corner and wide receiver. They did that. But now day two, those second third round picks. Now's the time to address need. 
And for me, that's interior defensive line, interior offensive line, and linebacker. Yep. Uh, Dane Brugler, who we used for our inaugural Cigar Thoughts mock draft, put out a new mock draft for rounds two and three based on who went yesterday, who was selected uh, yesterday. And he has Seattle taking uh, Adebaware, the D tackle out of Northwestern at 37. Uh, at yeah, him or Keanu Benton at 37 would be great for me. Yep. Uh, at 52, he has them taking Osiris Torrance, which would be crazy. Oh, he's if there he at 52? There. Exactly. That guy was getting first-round grades. That'd be incredible. Yep. He's on my short list. Yep. And then uh, in round three at 83, he has them taking the other Byron Young, the one that Rob did not mock to Seattle, the edge out of Tennessee. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of names, a lot of guys that we've discussed that are still on the board. I know that you had your moment uh, when the Seahawks took Jackson, but Michael Mayer is still on the board. The dream is still alive. Uh, that's what you need. It. You're trying to even the score. I, that's right. I You're am. You're trying to even the score. I don't. Always. I don't blame you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm. I'm stoked because you know, as fun as it is watching the draft with you, the fact that we got to do that with Stacy and Bump and Dick yesterday is crazy. Like that was a party yesterday, and we get to do it again today. Day two, NFL draft about to kick off and joining us in the Cigar Lounge, friend of the show, friend of mine, he is Danny O'Neill. You name it in Seattle sports media, he's done it. Now, he's over in New York, just like you are, Mike, and we're doing a little coast-to-coast NFL draft watch party here. Danny, how are you? I'm good. Mike, where are you at? Should we be hanging out? Yeah, well, I'm over here. I'm trying to uh, hunt down Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm looking to <laughs> score some peyote. So I'm looking to have a crazy weekend. You in? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could do that. Where, where are you Maybe, at physically in New York right now, though? Like Tribeca area, Manhattan. I'm just nice. uh, I'm looking for maybe uh, one of those darkness retreats. I'm just trying to get like Aaron, you know. <laughs> it's funny to hear how people... Uh, I was having blinds installed. We moved into a new place. I was having blinds installed on Friday. And a fellow named Stretch, who was installing the blinds, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers because he was listening to some ESPN radio. And Jets fans are, they're excited, but not as excited as I figured they'd be. I thought they'd be going nuts. And they're kind of like, we'll see. I like the move, but I'm I'm, I'm holding off on, on going hog wild about just how great this is going to be. Well, it's funny because that that second round pick next year converts to a first no matter what if he hits 65% of the snaps. So they could be complete dog shit and they'll still have to give up a first round pick. We call that the Carson Wentz. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Looks like the Steelers pick is in. So now we start chipping away at the uh, wish list here. Danny, talk to me about your morning after impressions of the Seahawks draft so far. So that's... I'm more surprised by that first round pick than than I have been a- any other pick that John and uh-huh. Pete have made in the first surprised because you think it wasn't the right move or because we no. just didn't hear about it. <laughs> surprised because it was a corner. Yeah, I thought this was settled precedent. I thought right. the Seahawks didn't take cornerbacks high. No, I, I think ninetieth is the highest they'd uh, yeah. Pete and John had ever used on a corner. Yeah, and so. I don't have anything against the pick. In fact, I'm actually kind of excited if they saw enough in this player to deviate from their traditional sort of approach to corners. And they've got some depth there at that position. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that was an immediate need. And I'm not against the selection 
of of Jackson Smith Najigba either. I, I see a lot of value there. Yep. What's puzzling to me is I don't know how they're going to stop the run. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, teams might just run it 48 times a game now. Right. you got Tariq and Witherspoon and those safeties. Yeah. So, and that was, the run defense was awful. I know. Like, it, it, as it was as bad as it was in 2010 when kind of the bottom dropped out of their what did they started off pretty hot and they just got they got they got mobbed on by people and the same thing happened like three games where they gave up more than 200 yards rushing yeah. where when that happens you're just like you you couldn't stop anybody they 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 maybe could have won that game without ever throwing a pass i is they've almost got to be better but i was like they have to make such a quantum leap improvement and you look at the changes, okay, Draymond Jones, and they bring back Jaron Reed, and I'll even say like maybe Puna Ford ends up coming back still too, but you're gonna you're gonna have to. Add, where's the beef? Like they need to bring some dudes in. I know. I want to get back to that in a sec. The Steelers just made their first pick of the second round, and it is so beautiful and so poetic. There are it's a perfect. lot of people mocking this player to them in the first round. Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State, not only a position of need for them, he is of course the son of Steelers fan favorite Joey Porter Sr. Very, very cool moment for them. Nice to see the Steelers add a good defensive player for once in their franchise history. <laughs> yeah, out of character for them, but, you know, people change. <laughs> it's weird to think he's a DB because, I mean, Joey Porter was such a bigger oh, linebacker man. type. Oh, yeah, yeah, big, heavy dude. No, this is, this is just very cool from a vibes perspective. You know, but, uh, Danny, getting back to your point, you're absolutely right. Like there was real opportunity cost to take best player available at five and 20, which it sounds like that's what it was. I do think that they put wind in their main sales with those two selections. I think it relieves a lot of stress uh, contractually. What do you do with Tyler Lockett? You know, they've been trying to find a third receiver and an heir apparent for Lockett for years and have just been missing on guys. And um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, has the makings of being a long-term excellent NFL wide receiver. But then the end of the first round saw a lot of defensive linemen go, which is surprising because a lot of those guys were supposed to be second round picks, maybe third round picks. So it got a little bit thinner there. Um, there's still some guys I like. We'll talk about them in a second. But for me, philosophically, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily the right thing for Seattle to have done, even though I am very excited with their picks yesterday. Philosophically, if I'm picking in the top 20-ish, I, I want studs. If there's blue chip, I almost don't care about position. You know, you, you look at the great teams in the NFL and they've got lots of blue chippers often at the same positions. And um, that talent gives you a lot of flexibility and depth and peace of mind at those positions. And what I really liked about it is they're at premium positions. And I said this yesterday. What I mean about premium positions is if you're really good at your job at wide receiver or corner, you're worth 20, $25 million a year. And that's four years plus a fifth-year option on both of these guys at premium position. So I like that. But you're right. Now you're painted into a corner a little bit. Day two, your, your cards are on the table. Teams know what you're going for. You're pretty much, in my opinion, whittled down to three positions. Defensive line, interior offensive line, and off-ball linebacker. And uh, I'll be curious to see if anybody tries to jump ahead of Seattle to take some of those guys. In your mind, do they need tackles or rush-ins? Which is the higher priority between those two? For me, tackles, because I think there's ways 
that you can, I think you can manufacture edge pressure uh, with the ways that they use like Uchenna and Wosu, Jamal Adams, that, that kind of thing. You know, um, Devin Bush uh, before his injury showed that he can blitz really, really well. You can't manufacture 320 pounds mm-hmm. over top of the football. So for me, that's, you can't smoke and mirrors that. Uh, I, I would prioritize uh, Adebarwe and Keanu Benton. Those are the guys at the top of my list. Do you have specific players in mind, Danny, that you're kind of bookmarking for today? No, I mean i've I've got I've got guys in general that I'm keeping, but it's really it's more. I found myself more intrigued by I like guys on the outside. I spend less time looking at interior defensive linemen when you get outside. It's boring tape. Of, well, <laughs> so so here's the thing with with rush ends, the the number of rush ends that go early on. The like if you've trading. got a guy that that profiles as someone who can sort of meet the the specs of what makes it, those guys go so high. Yeah, and then you've got pretty dynamic. Like there were two tackles that had come off the board by the time that Seattle picked at twenty. And like I knew Jalen Carter and the kid out of Pittsburgh, but when you start looking at defensive tackles in the second and third round. I think it's harder to find someone where you're like, oh, I really have a good idea about what this guy is going to do at at the pro level because any defensive tackle or edge rusher that's got real serious pass rushing potential, those guys fly up the board. Yes. Like, like they're just, they're higher profile. So I'm more interested to see like, okay, what are they looking for in the guys? Where do they see this player fitting in? John Schneider has over the tenure his time is he's been able to find defensive tackles a lot of times veterans that yeah. he brings in for very affordable prices who've been really effective players now they're playing a little bit of a different system but like tony mcdaniel ataba rubin like these are guys that brian monet they, and uh, yes, uh, al yeah. woods and quentin jefferson i mean on and on and on these he's just found three million dollar beef but everywhere. they didn't find it last year which no, was didn't. so weird I, it well, and just, they let them all walk there. too the ones yeah. they did have, they let them walk. <laughs> so, so real quick, real quick. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the Cardinals, who pulled off an incredible couple of trades yesterday to move back from three to twelve with the Texans, and then up from twelve to six to get the guy Paris Campbell. They also in that trade got next year's first rounder from the Texans and the first or the second pick of the second round. They just traded it to the Titans. It's interesting to see what the Cardinals are doing. Also. I just want to make it clear. I can't take them seriously after seeing their coach last night. Oh, I know. Do you see what's like the, the sockless loafers? There we go. The, the, I did the, the fall is over. Will Levis, Tennessee Titan. I'm glad. Is he still there? I hope, you know, they've, they've moved to the outdoor venue. So I don't know. I know his, uh, his sisters and girlfriend got a lot of FaceTime, got a lot of Instagram followers yesterday. Puzzling. But uh, a little puzzling to piece was, together who was who. It was they kept like they kept like swapping in. <laughs> I, I I tweeted last night. I would rather be fed feet first to a wood chipper than be in the green room and not drafted in the first round. Because they cut to him thirty-seven times on the broadcast yesterday. That that's cruel. It's brutal. That is cruel. I'm trying to think. That of is the, the Gino the year that it was terrible. Yeah, it was bad for Gino. Brady Quinn and Aaron Rodgers also had pretty painful. The Aaron Rodgers one was really because he kept being like, wow, wow, 
Wow. Yeah. Every time they pick somebody, Lamar Jackson, when he got picked at 32, was slumped on the table. There's this picture of him laying with his phone in the, his hand, his head's just on the table, and his mom's rubbing his back, you know, and it was like, it was, I was, you know, late in the first round at that point. And I just, I can't, that's tough. That's tough. I, I, I have never been within a galaxy of being in that position, but I imagine if I was, I would have to be pretty doggone sure. I don't need that kind of FaceTime, man. I'd have to be pretty sure I'm going to hear my name if I'm green rooming it. Levis was the source of, you know, how ESPN kept showing the likelihood that he oh. wouldn't get picked. I hate that. That's terrible. That that's a nonsensical calculation. It's, it's an it's an idiot sort of number. You're telling me this was one in a one thousand chance. You do this you do this first round a thousand times and he only doesn't get picked once. Give me a break. He was like I saw somewhere that in terms of just consensus ranking players, not not mock drafts, not predicting where they'll go, just ranking players, his average position was twenty sixth. Yeah. That's not a lock. No, that number just means we don't know how to evaluate talent. Speak for yourself, Mike. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we can't all call picks. So. <laughs> Was this the third Iowa defender that we've gotten taken? Oh, wait, no, no he's a tight end. end. This guy is fun. Well, well, I mean, tight end is the slowest position to adapt to NFL of all of them um, because you have to learn how to play two positions at the NFL level. But this guy is super fun. I mean, Iowa just turns out top 40 picks at tight end every year kittle and fant and i think hawkinson was there laporte is the latest in that line iowa comes up with a high number of like highly drafted guys for a program that is decidedly meh they're so bad and they're so <laughs> like, unwatchable they're just, they just keep every get, year they keep getting stuck with the 9 a.m like espn2 and it's just like a grind fest you you know I'd, i'll tune in it'll be like four minutes left in the third quarter and it's 11 to eight <laughs> wow. like, we've had three safeties in a blocked punt and that is how all the scoring has happened in this game okay so the seahawks are three picks away we got the raiders at 35 the rams at 36 and then the seahawks at 37 barring any trades wish list danny do you have specific names you're hoping here get called no Mm -hmm. because i feel like when i start getting invested about like which guy do i want then i start getting it kind of it there goes I'll michael become, Mayer finally i'll become more invested in whether or not i'm right rather than like really watching to see what they put Fair. together Fair. like that's who are you looking for of the three positions they need interior defensive line interior offensive line linebacker i think d tackles the one that's gonna dry up the quickest and um if they go into a different position i'd love osiris torrance the guard out of mm -hmm. florida i would love uh either of the uh centers tupman or john michael schmitz and then if they go the linebacker route there's still two out there uh drew sampson and uh trenton simpson what are your feelings about hendon, hendon hooker not not interested i mean yeah if if they take him great I, I i don't think they can afford to do quarterback anymore i think i think really? that well okay so my feeling was i don't talk know if me. they can talk afford to, to not pick a quarterback in one of the i think they have to pick a quarterback in one of these first five picks they have five of the first 90 i think they need a quarterback in there. okay okay i want to flesh this out because my thought is if you don't get 
one of the elite guys. And, and for me, there was only mm-hmm. three in this this class, and they all went in the first four picks. Yeah. Uh, I, I do wonder if Anthony Richardson would have been the pick of five. I uh, do, too. Which, I did too. I, mean, I was I, I was I bummed been, when I was I was, I was bummed when I think when we all Indiana fell in love with that him. kid. Yeah. Oh, dude, it'd be fun to watch. Oh, I, I mean, I think I've I've said it before. I think he could be the LeBron James of football. I think that if he hits his, you know, we saw the one percent range of outcomes from Geno last year. You get the one mm-hmm. percent range of outcomes from Anthony Richardson, and and you've you've broken the quarterback position. Like you've just you've just reset all expectations. It's the great glass elevator, freaking bursting through the ceiling of the chocolate factory and off into space. So, uh, you know, but, but to your point about quarterback, my thought is if you don't get elite this year, you can draft a quarterback in the late first round next year or in the second round next year or whatever. You'll have other opportunities for quarterbacks of Hendon hookers, um, ilk, I think. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not going to go elite, I, I wouldn't use a premium pick on, on him but he's the one guy left that you're like okay i at least see it but you say they they got to do it i think they got to take a quarterback all right tell me about that rounds. i think that you need to have someone that you're that you're baking uh, baking behind gino um i think that you saw enough from gino to believe that he's got a chance to be your long-term starter and i think they signed him to a contract that reflects that mm-hmm. I, I think that where it's like hey you're the best option we have right now and we feel we can win with you. And I think he showed that last year, but if he doesn't get better, is, is he going to be a guy that you think can win two playoff games? And, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not sure. I think he needs to be better than he was last year. Oh, I agree. Um, I agree. And if he's not, you need to have somebody that you're going to be able to try. I was surprised that they re-signed Drew Locke. Like that. I was legitimately surprised. And that kind of lends itself toward what you're saying of they're like, yeah, we're not going to mess with that this year because carrying three quarterbacks is a little unusual. Like and that's it's, definitely- it's expensive, and it means that's one less depth spot at defensive line yes. or one less offensive lineman or one less linebacker. So it it goes there, but I just think there's such an advantage to having a quarterback that you're going to draft and develop for a year before there's even a question of whether or not he has to play. Yes, I, I, that's I you're right. I, that is the cost. Is that you are losing that year. Because yes. nobody's nobody's going to expect him to play at all, and he can come in. And even if it was Anthony Richardson, I think they would have gone with that of like we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. He's definitely not the starter week week one well, when he comes in here. And here's the thing: I mean, if they had done that, and even if they do take a quarterback, we've seen that Pete's going to let him compete because they paid yeah. Matt Flynn. They paid Matt Flynn. Yes, like Matt Flynn yeah. was one of the big free agent signings of that offseason league wide, and Russell Wilson just took his job. Is third round pick, so the Seahawks are on the clock right now. So, so the Raiders took Michael Mayer, which I think is just the most perfect Darren Waller replacement you could ever hope for. I I fell in love with Michael Mayer. I didn't want Seattle to take him. I am hoping for Keon, Keon White here. Okay, they took Derek Hall, a defensive end out of Auburn. Okay, I mean he's productive. He's a twenty sack guy over his you know over his career. So he's 6'3", 254. Do you think he's playing end or do you think he's playing outside line? I don't know what defense they're running. <laughs> I think they're legit committed to the 3-4, right? I think so. I, 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 I think so, but I think that Jamal Adams is going to be one of those four. So <laughs> Really? 
Yeah, I do. I think I think that's what they wanted to do last year also. In fact, I have it on fairly good authority. That's what they wanted to do last year. And um to and play so, him as as your as sort of one of the interior linebackers or to have him as a rush No, in? as as like opposite Uchenna and Wosu on the other side of the line type of thing. So, we're going to see. So, this guy is yeah, he's he's sort of tweener sized. My guess is that He's pretty heavy for for an outside linebacker. Like he's he's they're calling they're calling him a defensive end on television. But yes, I mean here's the thing: the NFL has gotten so fluid, right? Just the same way the NBA has. You know, you used to have a clear point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Now you have front court, wing, and occasionally a team has a true point guard. We're seeing that in the NFL on in the front seven. It's rare that you have, hey, this is a pure off-ball linebacker. This is a pure hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman. Teams want guys that can do both. Uh, I I love it positionally. Positionally, I like it. There's a lot of talent on the board. They obviously feel very good about Derek Hall. I'll admit, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about this kid. The fact that it is more of a guy on the end as opposed to sort of your defensive tackle, that does still leave that question because he's if it had been someone like Keon White who's the the defensive end he does play end from from Georgia Tech he's more of a he's a bigger player he's I think he plays at 270 so you're talking about someone that could play kind of how Seattle in some cases used Michael Bennett in moving him around different spots um this is he he's not He's not as big. Like they, they don't. I, I don't see him as being like where even Draymond Jones. I expect to see him play some, some, some of the the three technique for them, especially in pass rush situations. I would, I would be real surprised if this is a guy they're looking to do that with. So I got some information on Derek Hall. I'm just, just kind of reading, reacting, and 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 don't get me wrong. Like this is a name that was on the radar. I just, I guess I was expecting a little bit different profile. Uh, for defensive end, but also I fell in love with Nolan Smith, and this is a potentially heavier Nolan Smith. Uh, so Derek Hall had a phenomenal combine. His RAS, his relative athletic score, which uh, for those listening who aren't familiar, basically they take every single draft prospect from combines and pro days in history, and whoever was the best, most athletic tester gets a 10, and everybody else is graded on a curve off of that Derek Hall was a 9.40 so he is a 94th percentile athlete at the position he ran a 457 but more importantly his 10 yard split was 155 and that is elite that is a 98th percentile first 10 yards so there's that and then uh also our friend of the show and someone whose opinion I have a lot of respect for Rob Statton we had him on. He said, Derek Hall is another player who exactly fits the character fit for this team. Alpha, high character. Then the traits are 100%. He's pure Seahawks, long arms, 155, 10-yard split, 4.2 shuttle. Will be a major, major locker room presence. At what point do we start to wonder about the typical Seahawks scouting report? Because Fair. I would say for the first five years that John Schneider was was the GM and for the first five drafts, 
I, I would have said like they've got a very firm idea and can point to a consistent track record of success with the type of players that they draft. Mm-hmm. I think that gets a little spottier recently. Yes. And the old dogs are learning some new tricks. There's and and I think some of that is the defensive switch, which isn't it's not a wholesale scheme shift because Pete Carroll would always tell you that, hey, we play a four three defense, but we use three four personnel. And for people like it's really talking about like you're you're talking about one player who is identified as a defensive end as opposed to an, an outside linebacker. There are some more some more differences than that. Like there there are in terms of how gaps work and and the types of personnel. Seattle's always been very, very flexible with the number of different players types, like sizes that they can use. They're more open to it than a lot of teams are who will be fair. like, hey, hey look, totally your, your inside linebacker has to be X and he has to be six foot five and he has to weigh this much. Seattle's always been more flexible. But like in, in saying that of like, hey, this is a typical sort of Seahawks pick. I'm like, well, I don't know that we've seen that many guys flash. Like who's the last defensive lineman that they drafted that really popped that. We way. all thought Daryl Taylor was going to be that guy. And he's been absolutely he's, he's been remarkable in some instances. He's been an inconsistent player. That's, and I would that's I, it. I, his his flashes are like, yes, oh my gosh, you had two and a half sacks this game. That's the guy we drafted and then he'll go two months without one. There is a, a question about sort of his instincts, I would say. Mm-hmm. That like there's no there's no questioning his his uh energy level and like the, the the buy-in but he and I, I would put jordan brooks in this sometimes too is that they've got they're directionally challenged sometimes where you're like man like that that you you don't have a sense for <laughs> yeah. what you're supposed to be doing in that situation because your hair's on fire um i'll i'll be interested to see how they're clearly adding to the depth which is the idea you get five six guys in there and and then say okay who's going to earn the snaps and they're certainly adding to the pile there with Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, Uchenna Nuosu is clearly a mainstay. Like he is going to be the guy that's going to get the majority of the snaps there and you you work in now adding adding Draymond Jones and now adding adding a rookie there to see like okay how are they going to distinguish themselves and the fact is that you need depth there and you need to have a rotation. Yeah. Nope, you're you're right. You know uh we had uh, Dick Fain on as part of the show yesterday, and, and he pointed out something at the close of our show. He said, you know, they've, they've got the speed trackers on all these players now. And he said, in terms of just average speed, the Seahawks had the fastest team in the NFL last year. They got really fast yesterday. So far, they've gotten really, really fast today. They are a fast team. The fastest team has gotten faster, but where is the beef? Like now, now you just, you got to get some weight because it's great. If, if Derek Hall can get to the quarterback off the edge, it's great. If you can bring Jamal Adams and Devin Bush on pressure, it's great that you have potentially two lockdown corners plus Kobe Bryant, plus your safeties. There's no reason for teams not to do what the Panthers and the Raiders did. And the Falcons did to them last year, which is just handed off 40 times. The typical response, like, and, I guess I've tended to believe this, that run defense is one of the things you can pick fix. Like run defense is about, it is about discipline and it is about making sure that you're less reliant on traits. I think, right? Like you, like dude, you, you, you've got it. You've got to do what you're assigned to do here. Mm -hmm. You can't let someone push you out of your gap. 
Like you have to be there. You have to be able to fill that. Same time when a team stinks against the run, usually in that offseason, they're like, all right, it's time for us to go get some big dudes. And, well, and can, this, I, can I say this? It is the most miserable way to watch your team lose. Oh, there's no doubt. Yes. Because there's nothing you can do to stop them, and you feel like you deserve to lose. First and like, 10 like, becomes second and four, becomes third and one, becomes first and 10, becomes second and four, becomes third and one, becomes first and 10. And pretty soon they're just hammering it into the end zone. And you're like, God damn, there goes eight minutes of the game. Can I just real quick, uh, now that Seattle has made their pick at 37, the Russell Wilson trade is complete. Yeah. The Denver Broncos got Russell Wilson. Uh-huh. The Seattle Seahawks got Devin Witherspoon, Derek Hall, Boye Mafe, Charles Cross, Derek Young, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Tyreek Smith. And saved a quarter billion dollars. <laughs> and I guess, and you got a year of Shelby Harris too, right? Uh-huh. It's hard to imagine how that trade turned out like it did. It's like, impossible to imagine if it didn't happen. If it didn't actually happen, I wouldn't I wouldn't have dreamed. I could have I could have I could understand why Seattle made the deal when it made it, but I fully felt like they're going to look they're going they're going to look like they're idiots for a year. Like it's this mm-hmm. is going to be brutal. And Fair. and even even Fair. if it is brutal, it's going to mean it's going to it still could have been the best decision for them in the long term. Um I did wonder how Russell would age. And I also sort of recognize that if they were making a decision a year later to trade Russell, what they might've gotten for him. Like if they had been able to force his hand, have him come back and play in 2022, even though he didn't really want to come out of that season with a year left on his contract and then trading him with him needing a new deal they weren't going to get as much at that point as they did last year. But I just, I did not imagine what he would look like. Um, The only comparison to a player that's plummeted like that was Donovan McNabb. But that was different because even when you looked at it, like Donovan McNabb didn't fetch that much for trade. Like people knew that the Eagles needed to trade. It was the point where like Michael Vick has, has, is, is the, is established there and and is the guy in Philadelphia. So people knew they're going to trade him. And there was like, I can't believe they traded him within the division. They traded him to Washington. But he didn't he didn't fetch nearly what Russ fetched. Yeah, it's it's crazy. They they sold at the absolute peak. Do you think Russ has as bad a season last year if he's still in Seattle? <sighs> no, because I think I think the Nathaniel Hackett drop off from Pete Carroll, even if the vibes were so so bad between Carroll and Wilson, I do think that played into it. I think I think Hackett saying, "Oh yeah, I, I basically see Russell Wilson as a teammate, as a partner. We're going to do this together." As soon as soon as that veil was rent in twain between the coach and the quarterback, Russ, Russ is not the guy to do that with. And Peyton Pey- Pey- Manning, you can do that with. Russell Wilson, yeah. you can't do that with. And that wouldn't have happened in Seattle. So, no. Um, I also think Russell will be better this year. But Sean Payton's not going <laughs> to. Sean Payton's sure shit is not going to allow for it. But I, I, think, I think Russ is going to be a disaster this year. You do? Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be horrific. Um, 
I think it's going to be not worse than it was last year, but I think that it's going to be worse for Russ. I mean, we're already on the precipice of this being the worst trade since Ricky Williams, and it could get worse. Yeah. And I love Ricky Williams, but there's just no way that nine draft picks <laughs> running back was going to... Okay. If... If it's not Ditka making that trade, does it look as bad? Because like part of it is like right, like right, Ricky Williams was in a wedding dress. Was it on the cover of ESPN? Oh the magazine? man, where they were married together. Yeah, and then was... Ditka was like chomping on a cigar. If it's not Ditka being just a absolutely brazen blowhard about the trade, does it look as bad? Because the Herschel Walker trade is worse, right? Because it went longer. Like it's one draft for the same. No, it's a whole draft. They set an entire draft on fire for one player. For running back, yep. Uh, I mean, <laughs> who really was... like to get high, which I have no problems with, but the NFL didn't the NFL allow didn't. at that point. <laughs> That's right. All right, we are forty-five picks into the twenty twenty-three NFL draft. Danny O'Neill still with us, riding shotgun, and we just added one of our favorite guests, Davis Sue. Of all the people that we've been fortunate enough to talk to on the show over the last couple of years, I don't know that anyone is on Davis's level when it comes to understanding roster construction, how it fits in the cap. We are thrilled to have him joining us to help break down Seattle's next pick as it comes up. Davis, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing really good. I'm not doing as good as you uh, after yesterday, but, uh, mm. but you know, this is one of my favorite days of the year. Hey, let's, let's talk about it. I know you're a day two guy. I know you're a big time day two guy, which is why we wanted to have you today. So, so talk to me about it. I'm, I'm still levitating from yesterday. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier on the show with Danny that um, for me, if you're picking in the top 15 to 20, go get the blue chipper. If there's a blue chipper there, I almost don't care about position. Go get the guy and then start drafting for need in day two. What are your thoughts on not only that philosophy, but how Seattle handled day one? You know, I think, I don't know, I was listening to the radio and I think I was like Brock Hewitt or something was saying, and I agreed with him. He said the top positions for positional value are quarterback, offensive tackle, edge rusher, and interior defensive line. You you take interior defensive you take interior defensive line over wide receiver and cornerback? If you have that top end player, right? And then they're like, well, what's the next group? Because you know running backs in in the in category B, you know, tight ends in category B, safety and inside linebackers in category B. But then you think about it, and he's like, well, corner and wide receiver are somewhere in the middle, right? And I was like, yeah, I think I think that's right. And I think what it is is a number one corner and a number one receiver are definitely in the first group. No question in my mind. But you need a lot of corners and a lot of receivers because you need three of them on the field, you know? But you definitely okay. – if you have a top-end guy, then they're definitely really in that first group of, of being as valuable as a tackle, as valuable as a quarterback, as valuable as uh, an edge rusher or a, a top-end interior defensive lineman. And I think the Seahawks believe they got a cornerback a, a one and a wide receiver one. The interesting thing is the Seahawks already have a wide receiver one, but, you know, they got another one because they thought, if you listen to Schneider, they thought that if he went in the previous draft, he was better than the other two Ohio State receivers that both went in the first round. And they're saying this guy's better than the other two guys, and one of the guys won Rookie of the Year. So, you know, they, they believe he's yeah. basically a number one wide receiver, even though he doesn't run 4-3. That's his only knock. 
you know. Now, we were talking about this, yep. I think, on text, that for speed, without Russell Wilson, or if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, and you have more of a, a, a mid-range passer-type quarterback, which most quarterbacks are, and Geno Smith is definitely in that group, then it's almost like I think Geno would, would, would utilize JSN better than a Russell Wilson. I definitely think that part's true. I, I definitely think that that certainly someone with Jackson Smith and Jigba's skill set is going to be utilized more by Geno Smith. I think Seattle gets the benefit, too, that a lot of teams were worried about his hamstring. I mean, he had a hamstring injury that basically limited him to, I mean, what, like one game over 13, 13 months? Like there was. I mean, Danny, to your point, when's the last time in the modern NFL – you saw zero wide receivers taken in the first 19 picks. It's certainly not happened since. And and that that happens with everyone having watched the impact that Jefferson and Jamar Chase have both made. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, it was interesting how Schneider was like, you know, he was all checking out his body, talking about his lower body. And he's like, oh, he's, he's thicker down there in person, you know, than on tape and kind of like, you know, leering at, you know, leering at Davis this, and I were texting man. about this yesterday. John's a body guy. Oh, huge body. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, when you think about a hamstring, now you're thinking about, you know, does a guy have short hamstrings or is his quads overdeveloped? I mean, you know what I mean? That they, I'm sure they have to get into that level of, of thought and, and flexibility, you know, and that type of thing. And he, you could tell he really digs into the turf when he cuts, like when you watch him. And I know Jackson watched, you know, countless hours of of this tape, you know. But but you he really, you know he I really have. digs into the turf, um, which is a, you know, you know, who, like, you know, who, you know who else does that? I I love that take, Davis, because uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has like Velcro feet. You know what I mean? Like when he steps, his feet don't slip, they don't shift, they plant and they go. He's he runs routes the way that Nick Chubb runs the football. <laughs> yeah, that's why you had a Nick Chubb all yesterday uh, in, in round one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have a Nick Chubb. I had a full Nicholas Chubb. Let's let's talk about it, Davis. Where where are you sitting? Wish list because. Basically, everybody that was on my wish list coming into day two, except for Tipman, uh, is still on the board. I just want interior uh, interior uh, O line. I, I I don't want to pick a, a defensive. I'm kind of fine with guard, tack or guard or center or versatile guy. I'm kind of fine with whatever. I don't really want to land on a defensive lineman. I don't have strong opinions because I'm so up in the air of what scheme we're running on defense you know because we're a 4-3 we switched to a 3-4 and then i've always wondered like well if we have really bad run defense would pete switch back right and then you now you saw we let go of all our guys on the d-line and we brought in we brought in our old guy you know we brought in jared jared reed so i'm like you know what i'm not even going to try to fit a d-lineman because i don't know what I don't know what size a guy they want, right? I just I don't know what scheme. Are we two gap, one gap? Are we bare? Davis, you are you are piggybacking on something Danny said about twenty minutes ago. Well, my caveat is on edge. I feel okay because they've consistently been able to play with a two hundred fifty five pound edge guy, whether they're running a three four or a four three. What I don't have any idea is what are they doing on the three interior spots. Mm-hmm. Are they two gap? Are they going for you know? You think oh they're going to go for this giant Al Woods type guy? 
nope, you know, Al Woods is gone, you know, and they just basically clean, clean house, you know, and then we got uh, rid of – The Steelers <laughs> took Keanu Benton. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Your Keanu Benton was number one on my snagged. list. The Steelers took him. That's such a Steelers fucking pick. God damn it. I am 100% on the Hendon Hooker bandwagon right now. Oh no, Dan, Dan Danny's pushing for I, it. I, I was I was I was not willing to go that far the last This year. is a great spot. This is a great spot to Would get. you have taken him at 20? No, I wouldn't have taken him at 20. I would have But you would have taken you would have taken him at 37. <sighs> yeah, probably. I wouldn't I wouldn't have complained about them taking it. But like now I actually feel it. Like now I You're actually feel it, it in my soul where I'm You're like I would take Will Levis at 37 too. Uh, <laughs> you know, <gasps> you know, this is something unfair that I do, but <laughs> I wouldn't have taken Will Levis because he went to the same school as Tim Couch, and that's the last quarterback I remember <laughs> coming out of that school. Helmet scouter, <laughs> yeah. you're a helmet scouter. Yeah, a little bit, like, and it's not completely that way, but it's like, yeah, dude, the last guy that came from that position from that school stunk. No. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like whatever end zones, if they have weird end zones, yes. Zones or the weird end zones. I'm like, oh no, I don't want that. Yeah, defensive end from Kentucky. I can get behind that. Josh Allen. Yeah, okay, I'm okay with that. So, so there's a player here. Hey, parents, I need you to cover your ears. This is a cuss word. There is a running back that is still sitting here, named Zach Charbonnet. Charbonnet. Yeah, I like. If Charbonnet. the Seahawks take him, I'm going to be kind of into it, and everybody else is going to be pissed. Yeah, I'll be pissed. I'll be pissed. All right, the pick is in. Oh, my God. <laughs> Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> oh, they just set Seahawks Twitter on fire. Danny O'Neill not having it. He's not having it. Pete loves running backs. This, I like this pick. He does love running, running backs. I think this guy, didn't he just trample all over the Huskies? Yes, Dan, dest- it, destroyed the Huskies. Oh, man. I... Okay, so so I'm into it because I love the player. I think the opportunity cost is too high here. I think the opportunity cost. I think you got Keanu Benton. I think Osiris Torrance. I've missed a couple of picks. I think Osiris Torrance is still there. John Michael Schmidt is still there. You don't pick for another 31 picks. I mean, I think Charbonnet is a special runner, but man. It's, it's so weird because Seattle does so many things, and I would say over the past few years has begun to – sort of follow positional value rankings and and sort of understand like the consensus draft board Cer- certainly the picks yesterday reflected more of that than we're accustomed to from Seattle their insistence on drafting running backs high is just wild like and it's it's gone on and I'll even give the whole Kenneth Walker being a really good pick for what they needed but it's Kristen Michael, followed by Rashad Penny, followed by, like, this is the fourth time they've drafted a running back in the first two rounds. And yeah. it's it's been a very spotty history. It's like, well, so let's we're just, talk about this. We're going to keep chopping wood. We're going to keep, so, keep going at it. I kind of think they might take another running back before the end of the draft. I mean, they, like, in the sixth or seventh round, I could see them take another one. Yeah. Because they, they, have any running backs? Yeah, they probably well, I mean, will. you got you to replace Travis Homer somehow. See, <laughs> but isn't that isn't that kind of part of the thing of like find that dude, pick two running backs? In hey, the, you know what? You know what this is. Round. You guys, you guys, you guys know what this is. Pete Carroll got his Reggie Bush with Ken Walker, and he just drafted Lendell White. <laughs> 
But Kenneth Walker isn't really Reggie Bush, and Charbonnet isn't. He doesn't. Charbonnet no, but, sounds like but, a wine. He's not. He's not the hardball that Lendale White was. I think. I. I kind of think he. I think he'll be a better NFL running back than Lendale well, White that's, was. Well, that's that's true because Lendale like had to cut back on the Patron to drop twenty pounds. Like Lendale Fair. was a better college player than he was. So here's an NFL the thing. Player. So I think. I think this speaks to Pete's DNA. And, and and Danny, you were just talking about this, but here's the deal. I remember one of the most astounding collegiate trivia stats I heard one time at one point at USC Pete Carroll had 10 running backs on the roster who were first team all state in high school 10 of them I don't know how he convinced them to go there but but, but you could but, do that in college but that's the thing. you could do that in college because I know you can because like you can carry 120 guys <laughs> and giving a guy a scholarship doesn't mean you can like you you have okay. the same 20 chips so so let me let me play devil's advocate here, okay? Grant, grant me this opportunity, my show. I'm playing devil's advocate. Ken Walker is going to be on the field for fifty to sixty percent of the snaps, mm-hmm. and we know running back matters to Pete Carroll. If they didn't take Zach Charbonnet or another highly touted running back, who's getting those other snaps? Who's getting those other carries? DJ Dallas? They don't have any more. Or, or pick I somebody mean, else or get an undrafted free agent. This is high. Dude, I they agree. need a this big fat high. dude to stop the run. They need big fat guys to stop the they run. Like, who's going to play defensive guys. line? Uh, they do need big fat guys. I, I really like the Chardonnay pick better at 80, um, whatever. 83. They, he wasn't going to be there at 83, but I, yeah, I, I yeah. hear you. But guys like Kendra Miller and Zach Evans and Ty J Spears, those guys, Sean Tucker, those guys are going to be there at 83. This 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 is the first one. This is the first one. I'm I'm like I see it. I see it, but this is the first one where I'm like, all right. This feels this this is the classic Seahawks reach. You, you know what it is? Is they go into the game they go into the draft every year with like a normal draft plan. Like they're they're ready and they they have their whole plan and then the draft starts and Pete just starts fixating on a running back. And they just end up veering <laughs> off toward that. Like every year it happens where they're like, nope, we've all agreed. We're not taking a running back high. We're not taking a running back high. Pete's like. And then he's like, he's still there at 52. <laughs> I mean, people were talking about Charbonnet as like a, a lock top 40 pick. So, I mean, like, here's the thing. I think that if you believe in running back, you can make the argument that there's value here. But Seattle has more pressing needs. Well, he's six foot, 214. Arm length doesn't matter. Thirty-two, nine and seven-eighth hand, and he ran a four-five-three with he's a, a thirty-seven-inch vertical. He's a physical runner. Broad. Yeah, he's a yeah. physical oh. runner. Like, there's no doubt about that. He's a physical runner. Um, there's there is a part of me that really admires Seattle's conviction when it comes to like, nope, running backs are important. Like, running backs still matter. Um. I kind of like that. It it drives me crazy, though. Maybe you just get your defensive line in free agency, and we have to just basically do cap tricks, and that's the only way we can do it. And and because at this point, you kind of have to. Yeah, and maybe you just you, because the defensive line for Pete Carroll, he's always okay with older players on the defensive line, right? That's true. And and so it's kind of like. You know, you don't want to buy old corners. That's, that's, we, that's, we talked that's, about that's, we we talked about the three million dollar beef earlier in the show. Like, 
You get your Alwoods and your Quentin Jeffersons and these guys that have been around, but you know what? You're still not going to be able to push them off the line. Like, you don't need to be explosive as the 32-year-old defensive tackle. So you might be right, Davis. I, I will point out the ridiculousness of me wanting Hendon Hooker and then complaining that they picked a running back so they didn't draft a defensive tackle. I, I, will, cop to, I will cop to some hypocrisy there. I still think it's early. I'm with you, Danny. It's too early. I... I 80, 83, I'm good with it, but I was definitely I fine. I agree, with- it's too early. We're in a court here. It is too early. I don't think it's as egregious. I'm fine with Kenneth Walker at where we took him, which I think was higher than this, right? Yes. Yeah, we took Kenneth Walker, Walker at 40, 41. Because I think Kenneth Walker then, and uh, who's the other guy that went like right before him to the Jets? Um, Brees Hall. Hall. I think those two are better prospects than, than Charbonnet. Um, Absolutely agree. So I, I just felt like I'm like, no, that's a good spot for Kenneth Walker. I think, I, yeah, I think this is, again, I, I prefer third round, you know, second round just seems, you know, a little too high. But it, it you does can't feel fully judge until you see what they do at 83. Because I think when they, they thought Abe Lucas was gone when they took, uh, um, you know, Boye Mafe and Kenneth Walker, I, I bet you they thought. Abe Lucas was gone, but he was still there. And so now we have to hope that at 83, you know, someone's still there that we, we might have even considered. And sometimes that happens. You know, I wonder if the Seahawks will sign all those defensive linemen that we were going to pay, you know, $5 million a year and we cut them all. I wonder if we can get them all back for $2 million bucks. Well, I think that's what they're gambling on because – Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods haven't been signed by anybody. I don't think Puna has yet either, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't want him drafting Hendon Hooker anymore. I'm going to give up my Hendon Hooker hope and just ask them to draft a big dude to tackle running backs. <laughs> I don't care what side. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care what side of the line he's on. Just, I want just give me dude. a 320 pounder. I want a big dude. Like yeah. The 30th ranked run defense in the NFL so far has drafted a cornerback. A cornerback a wide receiver, a defensive end who's pretty athletic, and another running back. Danny O'Neill, the legend, signing out. Thank you so much for your time today, brother. Take care, guys. I, I once had a, a friend of mine, he played for UW, and he, I think he played in the NFL for like a quick minute. Uh, big, big, big guy. I was an All-American high school, played for the Huskies. And I'm like, what's it like running the ball you know, in the NFL? And he goes... It's like running into a garage door full speed with pads on. Oh, my God. You know, because the garage door gives a little bit, right? You know, A little it, bit. It's not a brick yeah. wall. It's not. Yeah, but you're not going to run through it. You don't want Kenneth Walker carrying the ball more than, what, 16 times a game? Correct. The fi- Here's the other thing. The physics of the NFL have changed. Like, Herschel Walker and Ricky Williams, these guys talk. Like, like when you built your entire offense around an elite running back, which is how the NFL was. People forget, this is how the NFL was for 60 years. Your best athlete played running back, not quarterback, not wide receiver, not corner, not defensive end. The best athlete on the field played running back because that is how you move the football. It's so easy to write off now, but that was was the entire first 90% of professional football was your running, you needed that guy. But they were getting hit by 220-pound linebackers running four nines. 
Now they're getting hit by 260-pound running backs running four fives. The physics of it have changed. On third down, what are we doing at running back on third down? That's why I think they drafted Zach Charbonnet. I think Zach Charbonnet is a better blocker. Hendon Hooker to the Lions. There it is. There it is. Jared Jared Goff's clock is officially ticking. Uh, I think on third down, it's Charbonnet almost always. Almost always. Now, what will be interesting to see is does Pete Carroll, because there's two ways to handle rotational running backs. Okay? You've got a lot of teams, and this is how most of us think about running back splits, is Kansas City Chiefs, you've got whoever your running back is, Kareem Hunt, um, Clyde Edwards-Solaire, whoever, and then you've got your Jarek McKinnon, right? And it's just a pure first and second down, it's one guy, third down, it's another guy. The other way to do it is the Packers way, where it's Aaron Jones for a series, and then it's A.J. Dillon for a series. And I'll be curious to see how the Seahawks approach it. Does Pete Carroll want it to be a situational deal where it's Ken Walker most of the time on first and second down and Charbonnet most of the time on third down? Or is it Ken Walker first through third down on this drive, Zach Charbonnet first through third down on the next drive? I think they're both capable of both. I think the optimized usage is Ken Walker gets 70 to 80% of the first and second down snaps and Zach Charbonnet gets 70 to 80% of the third down snaps. The challenge is, with doing a pure situational split is that you're tipping your hand to the defense. Yeah. And the other, I follow everything you're saying. So basically, basically I'm boiling what you said down to is Kenneth Walker is your base running back and Charbonnet is your, at this point, you think he's your third down running back, which is a very, 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 very important uh, role. Obviously now there's another, there's another role that is, can be a different running back that sometimes Seattle has used, okay? So there's another role, and I don't know if you've noticed this or, or fans have noticed this, where we basically have the the tempo hurry-up running back. And so that running back has to basically be able to run and... and That's and, been Travis Homer. Right. And so that'll be interesting to see if that becomes DJ Dallas as the uh, up-tempo you know, like end of the second, you know, you know, end of the game or, and this is, this is in a situation where you're trying to score, not where you're trying to milk the clock, right? Which is two different, you know, where you're trying to either steal a score right before halftime or, you know, you are behind at the end of the game and you need to go, you need to go score and you want to, you know, you don't want to go empty, right? So it's kind of like you, you want to still have that running back there, right? So it's curious. I'm curious to know if, if they use Charbonnet in that, because I don't know if Ken Walker is the guy for that. I'm not really, I'm not sure about that. I, I kind of say no, you know, or do they use DJ Dallas? Cause they still have DJ Dallas for one more year. And, and I feel like he's been a great kind of role player for us, you know, third running back special teams and all that. And now he does kick returns or punt returns, um, you know, or because they've avoided running backs in free agency and they didn't sign the two guys that they had, they didn't sign anyone, anyone from, from the league do they come back in the fifth sixth round you know that type of thing for for like a specialist another specialist type running back so um because when you just look at the roster they still need one more running back <laughs> and i know the Seahawks fans they don't want to hear that but it's like 
I'm always running the numbers on the positions and I'm like, yeah, but they're short. So, you know, like, unless, unless you want Darwin Thompson, like, do you want Darwin Thompson to be on your roster? It's like, you, sure. You sure. Have to be on your roster, you know? I'm going to hear you. Yeah. You got the Bo Scarboroughs, all those guys, but here's the thing. Running backs are the vacations of the NFL. And when the economy turns, what's the first thing you're cut, cutting out of your budget? It's that trip to Scottsdale. It's that trip to Cancun. We'll do it next year. That's running backs. If you get up against it in salary cap, you can cut a running back. That's easy. There's always going to be those guys available for cheap. The the thing you lose in that is your continent, your continuity and your development. That's what you lose, right? And so it's kind of like, mm-hmm. like don't tell me Travis mm-hmm. Homer is like the greatest football player ever, but the fact that he'd been in our system for four years – you know, it was a team guy. He knew. I mean, there, there's some value to that, right? This is why Frank Gore played for 27 years, because you can put Frank Gore on the field, and he is going to make whatever play you need him to make. He's not going to bust off a 40 yard run anymore. But you know what? If a defensive tackle beats the center, he's going to chip him. He's going to catch the ball in the flat when nobody's open. That that's why these guys last far. That's why Rex Burkhead is still in the NFL. Yeah, the worst play is when a running back, you know, he comes in, he doesn't want to do it, and he's just standing in the hole, and the middle linebacker just absolutely just blows him to smithereens, right? And the quarterback's completely, you know, destroyed. And it's like, you don't need to look cool. You don't even need to win, right? I'm not. I'm not talking about like, like winning. I'm just saying, just, just buy your quarterback an extra, you know, half a second, you know to throw the ball out of bounds, you know, that type of thing. Um, or if you can execute a key block and actually execute a clean block on a blitzer and not buy your quarterback half a second, but buy your quarterback one second or one and a half seconds. And now your quarterback hits and, and you're, you're short a man on the back that the whole game could literally want on that play, you know? So, so there you go. So it's kind of like, that's how valuable a running back is in pass protection. And you know what we never talk about when we talk about football? The value of an extra half second on offense. The difference between having two and a half seconds to pass and three seconds to pass is gigantic. Well, that extra half second for DK to uncover. That extra half second for Tyler Lockett to uncover. You know, it's just... it's That's exactly you it. Know, it's... For Geno Smith to take one extra step away yeah, from it's, pressure. It's the fact of like, in that second, the defense is winning versus if I can last, you know, another half second, I've completely turned the tables in this play, right? Where advantage defense, oh, you yep. didn't get, you missed your window. It's kind of like you're boxing and the guy, you know, you're, you're boxing this guy that's way stronger than you, but he missed. <laughs> And then he's open and you're like, yep. uh, you missed. Now I'm coming, you know, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of one specific football play is in the plays, there are moments where advantage offense, advantage defense. And if you can swing that back into your favor and you have the right player to take advantage of it. And then it's like, you know, now the defense is, is gambled. They've lost, you know, and it's over. And, NFL games are won on one or two plays oftentimes. Most times. All right, the Seahawks 
fifth pick of the 2023 NFL draft is around the corner. That's number 83 so far. We are thrilled to welcome a longtime friend of the show, Griffin Sturgeon, a.k.a. C-Mike Spin Move. Griffin, thank you so much for joining us, lending your insight. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yesterday was a smashing success for uh, your, your agenda. <laughs> um, my my pro Jackson agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you know I'm I'm uh, I liked it too. So uh, uh, good stuff. Thank you. Okay, so well, let's let's get to day two in a second. But when you woke up this morning after you kind of let yesterday set in, how did you feel about Seahawks round one? I loved it. Um, I mean, Witherspoon was, I guess, surprising. But once the dust settled, it made a lot of sense. Um, I mean, they're getting his tape is spectacular. It's it's awesome. And you know, Pete Carroll, like he he immediately started talking vibes with him. He starts bringing up Troy Polamalu, natural player. Um, I feel like one of the 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 main the, the best descriptor Pete Carroll can use to describe a player that he likes is natural. Yes. Um, that's how we described Troy Polamalu. That's how we described Earl Thomas. He equated Earl Thomas to Troy Polamalu a lot. So even though he, this guy's a pure corner, um, I mean, he probably could play safety with how he hits and stuff and just understands football. But uh, th- that's high praise from Pete. Um, you know, they were probably out on Carter. Um, but uh, they said it was him and one other guy on their board that they would have taken there without trading back. And then, uh, you know, at receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba, he is he's a slot receiver but a slot receiver extraordinaire and he moves like the 510 guys but he's 61 200 and that that matters that makes a difference i'm so glad that you mentioned that because i think that i've been remiss in mentioning jackson smith and jigba size because they're like oh he's a slot receiver he must be a, a little small wiggle guy right he's thick right he's thick and he's pretty tall right. and and he likes to block yeah man and so he's not he's not an explosive slot like you're not putting tyler lockett in the slot right with, with this guy but he's you you mentioned keenan allen uh but there's another guy like right there with him uh um who did, who did dallas takes lamb yeah lamb uh i mean he's he's th- that kind of possession oriented slot he can dominate in the second window like the 10 to 20 yards um of course he does all the quick game stuff you know below that as well right um, but I mean, like when they go into shotgun, they have the perfect X, the perfect Z, and now they have the perfect slot. They can spread it out as much as they want. Um, and then when they go into under center, like the the Rams, what what made them so special was that even though Cup was a better receiver than Woods, there, there's a lot of interchangeability between those two. Um, and and you kind of get into the world of being greater than the sum of your parts. You know, when you go into under center, it's like it's really it's like the same like five seven play action concepts. But who's running it? It could be the X, it could be the Z, it can be the slot. The way that they reduce their their splits and um, you know they uh, they play around with who is where, who's the motion man, who's running the route. Well, between Lockett and 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 uh, Smith and Jigba, when they go in, when they go into that stuff. Um, it's they can kind of play that up now so it's it's waldron can sequence or he's getting free yards and doesn't really matter who who's actually catching it um and that's what they wanted with eskridge they probably saw a little bit of brandon cooks with him and we remember brandon cooks was with the rams for that one year and it was amazing um not that jackson smith and jigba is brandon cooks but when they go into under center it's uh the possession oriented stuff over the middle it can get really exciting now because it's not just what smith brings it's not just what lockett brings 
um, they, they get to really spice it up with who's where now. So it's, that's, I think that's what Waldron wants. And he talked about wanting three threats. Um, I mean, of course, the more the merrier, right? But it's, it's, it's how he can put his whole picture together that makes this really exciting. And just forgetting all that stuff, Gino and, and Smith and Jigba are perfect for each other. His ability to get open, the things that he's good at, I don't even think Pete views it as a value statement on quarterbacks per se, but style just matters. And Gino, like, I don't know if in a vacuum, I don't know if he would take Gino over Russ. I don't know if he would take Russ over Gino. Uh, but but let's say for the sake of discussion, say he would take Russell Wilson, even forget about how it ended, like say peak Russ, he would, even if he would take Russ, he would still pass more with Gino. Like how, how much he passes is indicative of his quarterback skill set. And what Gino is good at compared to what Russ is good at is conducive to more volume. And taking Smith and Jigbo when you've got DK and Tyler already, it means you can you can beef up your passing game even more. And that's where that's where the the pass volume influx year to year is sourced. It's the pure dropback game. Like uh, when it comes to play action, uh, Pete Carroll with Russell Wilson was running play action at a rate not by per pass, but by per early down offensive snap at like a top five rate every single year. What Russell Wilson was good at, Pete took to the extreme in terms of volume. Like how frequently are we running the stuff that Russ is really good at? With Gino, it's Gino's good at play action. Don't get me wrong, but you're not going to run as many deep overs corner posts as Gino. He can do it, but he's not going to be Russ, right? When it comes to pure read it out, like a, a five-step drop concept, you know, you've got, you got to get through your progression and stuff. That's the stuff that's easier to simulate volume with. You can simply do more of because the ball is going to come out of his hand. The guy's going to catch it and you're going to keep moving the chains. Um, so it's, JSN is like a love letter to that concept, especially when you've already got Tyler and DK and the tight end. So um, they're really going for it with this. Um, I, I even with the the Charbonnet pick, I still expect a lot of a lot of pass volume this year. And you know, styles styles make fights. You know, it's it's uh, it's 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 exciting stuff. So yeah, I think the two big things for the Seahawks is one, you have a totally different quarterback. And so you can do different things that, that other NFL teams have done that the Seahawks have not done. And then now, you know, the question is on defense, are we running a totally different system? You know, are we running a system that's been done in the NFL? Or are we running our own thing? Or are we trying to flip and revert back to try to recreate the LLB, which I don't think we're doing. But those are all those ideas are something you have to throw out to think of like, you know, what we're doing. Like I think on the defensive side, it's very, very difficult to project because I don't know exactly where they're going in the front seven. And so I think you kind of have to just watch, you know, watch and see. But I do like what you said about, about like, there would be a concept that you would get, like, a D Eskridge that worked, right? Like, that would be your third receiver. Well, JSN is not that at all. Now you, you're, you're bringing in a totally different element, which I think is a great element. But I don't even know if we can – I guess you could say Cooper Cup, right, I guess would be kind of like – the closest version of it but um you know sure. regardless of what the rams did or didn't do it's just like hey look on third down you have gino and you have three three really really good options and you know you can do all your triple tight end stuff on first and second down right and and, and, and run the ball and do sure. all that stuff but on third down now you have you know the 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 fact that he has a really good cone time, 
He's not a super fast guy. You don't need a super fast guy on third down. And he's a hands catcher, and he's bigger than Doug Baldwin, right? Doug Baldwin was 5'9", right? And Doug Baldwin caught everything with his body, right? We have reached pick 83, and the Seahawks have traded out with the Denver Broncos. And I'm just going to lean on recent history and feel pretty good about this. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what the actual draft capital is for Seattle trading with Denver. I can't believe Denver's even answering John Schneider's phone calls at this point. So, 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 uh, we're we're done for the day. They traded the one hundred eighth wow. pick and a twenty twenty four third round pick. So wow. they got twenty twenty four capital. That's interesting. Number eighty three overall in exchange for an extra fourth rounder and Denver's third rounder next year. I feel like on the surface, that's good because I don't think Denver's going to be necessarily very good next year. (laughs) I I bet next year, here's what I'll say. I bet next year's Broncos third is higher than 83. That would be hilarious. Um, Hey, something to root for again. Uh, They did not like the the meat of this draft, did they? It was not a good day two draft. They wanted out. Well, I wonder how much of day two has to do with the run on defensive linemen at the end of the first round, which was totally unexpected. Like, no mocks had 11 defensive linemen going in the first round. Yeah. The whole after the wide receiver run, it was just all D line. Right. Right. And I I think a lot of them were viewed as fringe guys. And it's it's a bad draft everyone a lot of feels like a lot of guys got overdrafted the centers are falling for a reason probably because the league doesn't really value center does it uh i mean jms went right i mean there are still good centers tomorrow but i mean evan brown they signed him and he's he was a decent center the last time he played the position which was two years ago so i don't know maybe they think he's the guy um I wonder how they're feeling about Benton going four picks before them. I wonder how they're feeling about that. And But know, they could have had him at 37. They could have. They could have. And to me, he was the third true interior guy, um, the third best. And then there's kind of a cliff of the true 300-pounders. There are some guys in the 290s that are intriguing. They've already got Draymond, who's 285. I don't know if they want both of their high snap ends to be sub 300. I think they're cool with one of them being that light because Draymond makes it work. So I don't. They're going to have to go crazy tomorrow finding the run stuffers, and they're going to have to bring one of the guys that they let go back somehow and fit them under the cap. Guys, we are leaving the second day of the draft, barring them trading back in without Seattle addressing interior defensive line interior offensive line or off ball linebacker yeah that is a stunning development they really punted on the idea of getting a uh blue chip or close to it at least in theory uh three down interior guy like this with this draft they they made their decision on carter um mozzie smith didn't fall and like you said if they really wanted benton they wanted to reach for him which i think he went right where he should have they could have and they didn't so beyond him you're talking about quality role players you're, you're talking about you know fighting in the top of reuben tony mcdaniel now in day three you know so and that's what they're signing up for so um which i think as far as run defense goes that can work uh but you're not getting that three down player and who can defend the run but more importantly can rush the passer 
Um, so clearly they want Draymond to be their their premium guy on the interior. To me, he feels like, um, as far as like impact, the equivalent of Uchenna Nwosu on the inside, which is nice, right? Like that's solid. Um, but, you know, Uchenna isn't Von Miller and Draymond isn't DeForest Buckner or Aaron Donald or what have you, right? But they're, they're still way up there, you know? Um, so, and then with this Hall pick and Taylor and and Mafe, like they're going for an ensemble thing here. Um, they, if they want to have a four-man rush, it's the floor of each guy that's out there is going to have to be pretty high as opposed to one or two of the guys having absurd ceilings. So, um, th- th- I mean, that that's what they're, they clearly signed themselves up for. And I think they knew that heading into this draft, if this is what has happened so far, and they're banking on this, you know, extremely talented secondary to, to really um, handle, to, to really carry the defense. So, and the front seven just has to be good enough, or at least the, the front four, front five has to be good enough. So, I don't know. We'll see what uh, how it pans out. It can work. It can work. They were obviously not thrilled with what was there at 83. Like they... yeah, of course the fucking Ravens take Trenton Simpson. God damn it. <sighs> the Ravens just do the right thing every year. The Ravens just let the draft fucking fall to them every year. And they're like, oh, here's a guy with an early second round grade available at pick 86 every year they do this shit yeah Griff I want to get your opinion on Derek Hall and I want to get your opinion on Zach Charbonnet well I I watched Hall and I thought he uh, I thought he was a solid third rounder Um, now so my initial impression of him was I watched his Alabama game which was his stinker game so that was probably colored my my initial impression and then he was also one of the first guys i watched after uh, uh anderson so um i was a little bit of a come down going from will anderson to, to Derek hall especially watching kind of front loading my my watching with him with his worst games so and then he didn't do well in the senior bowl so i kind of thought all right i see some traits there but probably a third rounder so he wasn't really on my mind for you know uh, round one to two um and then the combine happened and he tested a lot better than what I thought I saw on tape. Um, we talked about it earlier, a 94th percentile defensive end athlete. That's insane. And and the so the, the other thing about him that I think that they prioritized him is that in this class of the true like edges, like the, the Leo types or now the outside linebackers for what they're looking for, he's one of the few guys that are actually north of 250. He's not some 235 guy bending the edge where as soon as he gets touched, he's crumpling. And then, Am I crazy for thinking that he's just rocked up Nolan Smith? I mean, I mean, like, like Nolan has to put weight on. If he puts weight on, he probably looks like Derek Hall, doesn't he? So, I mean, and 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 then the other thing is he's twenty one. Like uh, the the other guys that are in that weight class, some of them are like twenty four or twenty five. Uh, right, by, they've by put on their on. weight. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Derek Hall, he checks a lot of boxes off from a like historical lens of of like precedence. And then I think that they like that he 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 likes to play physical. Like he rushes the outside track. He's rushing a speed path, but he'll engage the tackle. Like that's that's how he that's how he plays. So I, I think Clint Hurt really likes that. Um, I mean, I really like Daryl Taylor. I think Daryl Taylor has technique, but the play strength isn't there to be all that he can be right now. He never put weight his college weight back on. I don't think he was ever two seventy like he was listed, but he was probably no, two fifty five. I mean, you can just look at the guy. There's 
there's on on any given play there's six to nine guys on the field that weigh more 270 yeah. pounds yeah and you can just look at daryl taylor on the field it, no chance no fucking chance yeah so th- that that knee or that leg injury that he had i mean he i don't think they the doctors wanted to put any more weight on it so he's just going to be a speed guy pure speed you know can we talk about how salient of a point that is that you just made we we say injuries we talk about injuries like yes that happens to everybody like nobody plays their entire career without ever getting hurt unless you're barry sanders because i mean you could have eight guys try and tackle that dude in an elevator and they wouldn't touch him but outside of that everybody gets hurt and we're just like oh they'll come back and maybe they'll be 80 percent or 90 percent or maybe 100 percent of what they were before we don't talk about the physiological change in terms of if you blow out a tendon you might just not be able to carry the same amount of weight that you did before. The physics are different now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it changes the trajectories of some guys' careers, you know, um, because I thought he was a guy that, I mean, he had all the bend and flexibility in the world at the top of the rush, right? And the, like the pure speed too. I thought he was a guy to contrast with Frank Clark. I mean, he kind of knew what he was doing at the top of the rush with his hands. And I thought he was only going to get better at it. But I was watching a guy in college that was north of 250, and now I don't even know if he's 240. Like, to, to be honest with you, like I, I think Jordan Brooks outweighs him. Granted, he's shorter, so he's more dense anyway. But it's it's you know he when tackles get their hands on him, I mean he's doing the right things. They just don't work, <laughs> you know. So um, he, he's a guy that has to jump the snap and just stress speed every snap. So D- Derek Hall is another flavor. Um, you know, his play strength is probably akin to Uchenna, right? So, um, and, and, and Mafe, but Mafe has to, like, work on kind of everything. But So, um, the most beef in college football is in the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten every year. Derek Hall played at Auburn. That is a premier SEC team. That is a program that is designed to beat future NFL players. At least... That's the litmus test. Can you beat future NFL players? And Auburn's had a great history of doing that. Derek Hall averaged two-thirds of a sack per game for his entire career. Three-year starter. Yeah. And he was more likely to get a sack every single game than he was to not get a sack. To me, that means something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And... Uh, some of the uh, like the analytically minded folks out there they've said that for for pass rushers there's actually more predictive power with tfls even like uh, college tfls um, projecting toward nfl sacks than even college sacks do and he's no shit he's getting in the backfield he's got you know 30 he's got a ton of tfl he has 20 in the last two years right so one a game yeah there's there's something here with him and i need to i need to you know I need to go back and watch more of him because we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Davis Sue, one of the smartest guys in the game. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for popping in, lending your insight. Have a wonderful night, my brother. All right. And we are down to two. We are riffing with Griffin and Griffin. The most incendiary pick of this draft was the Seahawks using pick 52 for Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> what was your reaction when that happened? My true gut reaction was, okay, yeah. was, all right, here we go. Because um, we know what's coming, right, with, with, with this kind of pick. Um, so my, my if I had disappointment with the pick itself, irrespective of, you know, all the, uh, 
the, the discourse that follows, it was, well, wow, I want a defensive lineman right now. But then I kind of had to accept that there really aren't any defensive linemen worthy of being taken here. Benton had just gone. You, you felt that way. I did feel that way. I felt like I really liked Byron Young, who ended up going. I liked him at, at 83. I, I felt that way. Like I mocked him a few times. When, you you know, did. You, you were heavy on. And you're talking about Alabama, Byron Young, not Tennessee. Byron. That's right. That's right. And I, I think he's kind of a uh, different player, but he would have been someone who kind of provides you the value of the good version of, of, of Puna Ford. Just kind of like not a pro bowler, not even a fringe pro bowler, but an above average rotational player that will bring raise your floor up a little bit, right? Um, and you need you need a handful of those types of guys, if because otherwise, if you don't, if if your floor players are bad, then you wasted your money on Draymond Jones because there's no, it doesn't matter. He can only do so much, right? He's one guy. Talk to me about it. I think that so, is so relevant. And I mean, my solution is find a way to bring Puna back and just adapt the scheme a little bit. Um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts there, but, but so, so yeah, with the go, going back to Charbonnet, um, clearly to take him there, they, they really like him individually, um, compared to the other running backs. I think what he actually does for them on the football field, irrespective of value, cause that can be talked to death is that I, he's, um, I mean, he's really versatile cause UCLA had a versatile run game, but in contrast with Walker, he's not the home run threat. But he is really good at getting you those those like median gains of of uh, you know three four five yards you know, and that doesn't sound all that exciting, but it really matters when you go into shotgun because when you smart teams anyway, and Seattle belongs to that. If if you look under the hood of of, of their their tendency over the years, when teams pass more, pass less year to year, so the smart teams tend to access their their um their quick game passing bucket and if they say we want to pass more the what comprises the majority of that increase in volume is sourced to their quick game attempts and those quick game attempts are not that valuable statistically like if you unbucket the passing game a lot of half the teams are negative epa running slants per attempt now shit i had no idea or or like stick like a stick route or whatever it's four yards and if you only complete 60 percent of them well, what is the yards for target on a stick, stick route? You know, there, boom, there you go. So if you if you can get your median gun run inside zone run, think Chris Carson hitting the line of scrimmage. You know, it, he fe- like he feels those out like what looks like two yards. Oh, it's all of a sudden four yards now. If you can get your gun inside zone run, which is the meat and potatoes of a gun run game, to match up with your quick game efficiency. Then you get to choose how much you're passing and how much you're running, and it doesn't matter statistically in the aggregate. It doesn't matter. Um, so, like, yeah, on the chart, it might look fun. Like, oh, this team is an analytically minded team because they're passing sixty percent of the time early down Griff neutral is state. Preaching. Griff but is if preaching, but but if if you're if only, if the passes that you're changing, replacing with runs, are the inefficient passes, then who cares? It doesn't make a statistical difference. So. Now, that said, they just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20th overall. They're going to be an 11 personnel team. They're going to oh be throwing God, it I'm everywhere. I'm still levitating. I'm still levitating. But when it's time to run a little bit, when teams go, we're going to spread it out. We're going to play too high. We're going to we're going to play quarters. They get double coverage on Jackson Smith. We're going to we're going to play off coverage on DK and Tyler on the outside. Six man front. Six man front. Charbonnet will hit the hole, and he's going to get you four, five, six yard gashes. So, and, and, and the theory is we're only going to do it as much as we need to. 
so or it's it's like you get to do this not you have to do this um so that's the thinking um also i mean they didn't have any other running backs on the roster behind walker other than dj dallas and dj is kind of a change of pace utility guy you know he's not and he's not a workhorse i love dj he's a great player for what they use him for but but they, they need a dude right now and um when they were at their best, the the one-two punch of Chris Carson and Mike Davis that one year, when Davis was averaging five yards per carry, I, I kind of get vibes like that. But I do think Charbonnet is better than Davis. But uh, um, this is kind of the world they're they're getting back into. So to me, they can be really versatile in shotgun now um, with, with their gun run game. It kind of brings the floor up. Um, I think Walker will get better there. That was probably he needed to hit the hole a little bit more last year, but he'll get there. I mean, he was a rookie. Um, and he did improve toward the end of the year, but this gives them a one-two punch. It makes them better, you know, broken tackles, contact balance. He runs so upright, but he never goes down. He's uh, kind of like if Golden Tate was a running back and, and much taller. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, I don't know how he doesn't go down with some of the hits he takes because he's not a guy who gets leverage on you. He just maintains his balance. Um, it's like, He's like one of those... Uh, He's like one of those like wooden dolls, like what are they like weeble weeble things where you you, you knock them over weeble and they wobbles. weeble wobbles and they spring back up. That's that's Charbonnet. He doesn't go down. It's crazy for someone who's built for like he's got thick lower body. I'm not saying that he's that he's thin down there, but he's he's kind of a top heavy running back. The fact that his center of gravity is somehow still so low, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Zach Charbonnet coming out of high school, and we know, you and I both know, that Pete Carroll still puts a lot of stock into people's high school profiles. He's still a collegiate recruiter at heart, right? Like, he didn't just win all those games at USC and the national championships and the Rose Bowls at USC because he was a good coach. He's a good coach. Of course he is. He was, pre-Saban, the best recruiter on the planet. Yep. And... He talked about even in the trade for Percy Harvin, he was like he was the one that got away yeah. as a high school recruit. <laughs> we tried to do everything we could to get him to USC, and I think he said like we sent the wrong guy to Florida to try and recruit him. He's like I should have been there. So so he believes in that heavily, and he's talked about other players that he's brought in, uh, in in his justification for it about like how good they were coming out of high school. When Zach Charbonnet was coming out of high school, and even early in his collegiate career. It was a hotly debated topic in the Devi sphere. Who's the better running back, Bijan Robinson or Zach Charbonnet? Zach Charbonnet was a five stars, five star coming out of high school. Are there enough touches available for Zach Charbonnet to justify being picked 52nd overall? You know, I think in hindsight, it's the answer is going to be no. But mm -hmm. on a per snap basis, he can still help help the offense um I, I don't i don't know if i don't i don't know if hitching our hitching our wagon to like volume with him is going to be how this pick can be rationalized in the long run if the other thing is that you know unfortunately injuries like you talked about injuries earlier injuries especially at the running back position are pervasive and just common so he can be a bell cow so if, if God forbid something happens to Walker, or he gets banged up for a game, right? Like, oh, he's, he's nicked. We, we're going to sit him today. Then they, yeah, send Charbonnet out there, you know? So, and I don't think that they would, that they would blink. Um, but also, also one thing I say, he offers a lot in the other aspects of the running back position, blocking um, uh, and 
And, you know, I think he can offer a lot as a receiver too. Because he's so upright, his sprinting gait, he gets into full sprint, even though he's not that fast. He gets sprinting quickly so he can get upfield. Um, we fall in love with yeah. 40 times speed. But, and and that's great. If if you are Ken Walker, if you're Jamal Charles, if you're Chris Johnson, hell, if you're Raheem Mostert and you your your play is blocked well enough, if you're Rashad Penny and the play is blocked well enough that you can get an angle on the second level and you're fast enough to torch the third level, that's great. We're talking about half a dozen carries a year where that matters. What I care about care about with speed and 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 I'm all for, you know, put placing a premium on on the home run ability. But Chris Carson, his mid range speed, that yard four through yard twelve speed, he's not gonna outrun a corner and a safety to the end zone, but he'll beat the linebacker to the first down marker. Oh yeah. And that's what I see in Charbonnet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see that too. And uh, you know, c- considering how much power Chris Carson would, you know, put through his cleats into the ground when running at full sprint in that that yard window that you're talking about. Is similar with Charbonnet. Like he's guys will be bouncing off of him, and he's he's gonna make he's gonna run over people. He's gonna he's he's gonna um, stay on his feet like we talked about, and he's he's gonna pick up extra yards in in, in that in that um, area. So, I mean, I like Charbonnet as a back for sure. Um, and and the, the the other the other aspect of this is that when you draft running backs, it stops it keeps it keeps you cheap at the position you don't have to go pay shell out cash to you know what i mean um now i mean like i'm all for the players getting paid don't get me wrong but if from that lens like they're saying we don't want to be expensive at the position so um e- even carson's Thank contract you. was on the cheaper side and someone with his pedigree could have gotten a lot more um, here's again here's why i like Devin witherspoon and jackson smith and jigba because Elite players at cornerback and wide receiver command a lot of money on the open market. Yeah. Running back doesn't. Right. If you can get real talent, if you can get, like I said, turquoise chip talent in Zach Charbonnet, and like there's a little bit of cope here. I'm, I'll be honest, in real time, there's a little bit of cope here. Like I'm trying to justify this pick a little bit. I do think the opportunity cost is too high. All right, here's what I'm going to say. I am not in favor of day of draft day grades. I think you got to wait a couple of years before you know. It's why they shouldn't give out executive of the year for the year prior. It, yeah. Should, yeah. it should be like, okay, two years ago, who did the best job? But whatever. Okay. So that aside, we all love grades. So I'm going to dive into the morass. I'm going to give grades. And then I want you to give me grades on Seahawks first four picks. All right. For me, A minus on Devin Weatherspin. A plus on Jackson Smith and Jigba, B on Derek Hall, C plus on Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I so, when I was doing when I was doing my uh, initial reaction with Maddie, I had an answer, and I think my answer is going to be different now. Now that I've had a, a full twenty four hours to think about it. Um, I By think, the way, what you and Maddie do is the Lord's work, man. You guys appreciate are so good. it. Appreciate it. Um, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a minus with Witherspoon as well. I think okay. I think he himself, as a corners goes, in solid A. Um, I don't I don't know if he is as good coming out as say Stingley or Sertain, and those are the guys you typically want to draft around that range. But I think in 90 percent of drafts he goes in the 
six to ten range. So I'm cool with him. I mean, I plus his, his over under was six and a half in Vegas. Dang. Um, yeah. So I think he, he he's an A. I go A minus because I, I this was folly in hindsight. I wanted Jalen Carter. I <laughs> I wanted Jalen Carter. Did. So 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 here's that, the thing: is it's like it would have felt it would have felt very risky him getting drafted by seattle for some reason yeah, but as soon as the were. eagles took him i'm like fucking a plus <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i know i know i mean it, it felt it felt like it felt like sticking your hand in the cookie jar you know like when mom's not looking you know like it's, here yeah here's the difference is that if you draft jalen carter in seattle you need him to be the best player on your defense you draft jalen carter in philly you don't right and he gets his buddy jordan davis and Etc. Et and Nolan Smith. Yeah, you've got. And uh, who's who's the you, you, other Georgia guy they took last yeah. year? I was facing on his name, linebacker. Like basically, Philly just looks at who won the national championship last yeah. year, and then we're going to take the best players. <laughs> not not a bad strategy. Uh, I and, think the Eagles are the best run organization in the NFL. So it feels like, and like you know, who's gonna who's who's gonna you know uh, want to be on Fletcher Cox's bad side? Really, you know, like he's an OG that you want to be. You want to have in your That's corner, it. right? So he, he will not abide slacking in practice. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know that Seattle outside of Bobby Wagner has that guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Like Al Woods would have been a presence, but he's not, you know, he's not a perennial pro bowler, right? But Al Woods is easily replaced by a talent by Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter yes. is not easily replacing anybody in Philadelphia. Right. I'm sorry. I I right. I, 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 I hijacked you. you no, 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 no. It's because it's, you wanted Jalen Carter. But I love the Jalen Carter discourse. Okay, yeah. so A minus because it wasn't Jalen Carter. Right. Yep. That that minus on is its, just on its Carter. face, maybe an A. Sure. I mean, hell, like if you you look back at a draft and like, oh hey, they drafted an all pro guy. Who cares? It's an A. It's, that's that's what A's are. So whatever. Um then twenty, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go A minus. Um, I'm gonna go A minus because I'm just. I'm just gonna be super strict about it and be like, you know, the you're, you're drafting a third target in the first round, but then there, there's long term implications here, and he's a also third target perfect. this year. Third target this year. That's right. Um, but I mean, you're just trying to get good players, man, and he's a perfect fit. So I mean, A minus is still way up there, right? So I, yeah, I th- it's I think, way up there. I, I'm I'm not trying to act like yeah. you're shading the pick. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So and he was also very arguably the best pass catcher available in this draft. So you come away I, with. I think that is a consensus opinion. Yeah. Yeah, so you come away. I with, mean, he started the run on wide receiver. The next four picks were wide receivers. Yeah, he sure did. I, w- I was shocked Quinton was second. By the way, I thought it would have been Zay. Um, I love Zay so much. Yeah, Zay's, hey, Zay's hey, fun. Hey, shout out to Baltimore for again just yep. treating the draft like a body bag. They do it every fucking year. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, oh hey, uh, we've been the most dramatic team in the off season this year because Lamar decided to hire his mom as his agent. Oh, uh, we're going to sign OBJ. We drafted Rashad Bateman. Oh, extended Lamar. Like, yeah. we knew we always would. And here's Zay Flowers. Like, let's fucking go. Yeah, they went all in on it. Um, so what's really cool about the Jackson, Smith, and Jigba pick is that, like, th- th- like what what is the statement behind You've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on your team. You've got an awesome room of tight ends. And then you go and take a third receiver. You're wanting to breathe fire, like that's 
that that's the that's the that's the Fucking subtext. Breathe fire, baby. That, that's I the love subtext, that. and I love and uh, <laughs> like Geno Smith at West Virginia, they threw it everywhere all the time. And you know um, what's gone? You know what's gone with what? Jackson Smith and Jigba on this team? Yeah, shading over the top of DK Metcalf. There you go. Because who 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 are you gonna? Who are, it's a too high world, yeah. But are you playing quarters or cover two? Quarters doubles. Who's covering? If you go too high. Yeah. If you go too high and you take an if you take an extra defender out of man coverage, who's guarding Jackson Smith and Jigba? I really like the pick. So I A minus, I might have just talked myself into an A right there. Um I'm pliable, <laughs> you know. Um It's what we do, baby. It's what we do. Derek Hall, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to spend some time feeling this out over the coming weeks. But I feel like right now my gut reaction is probably C plus. Um, okay. I'm not sure if he's a guy. I, I'm. I. He might. If to use last year's context, I had. Uh, I had Mafe kind of in the order in which he went. Like I had him behind Epiketti. Um I probably have uh, a Hall behind Mafe, maybe behind Drake Jackson, who went to the 49ers a few picks later after Mafe. But that might change with you know doing an honest attempt at going back and watching him, you know, so we'll see. Um, so like at a glance, at a glance, nothing sets him apart, at least superficially to me, nothing sets him apart with Mafe and Daryl Taylor. So if they took him this high, they clearly have a thought behind this. So I want to go back and see what that intention is, right? Or everyone does, right? So can he separate himself from Daryl Taylor and Mafe? So, um, and then Charbonnet, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go C plus. Yeah, I'm gonna go C plus same. just because right, value. So, I, so I respect little, the value angle, but I like you're Charbonnet. You're a little lower on Hall than me, but you and I basically have the same grades on the other three picks. And Griff, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on here. Those of y'all listening, Griffin Sturgeon at C Mike Spin Move on Twitter. I don't gotta sell them. You heard it. This man is brilliant. He'll get granular. He'll tell you the why instead of the what. Griffin, thank you so much for coming on. P- appreciate it, man. I, I, I had fun talking with you, and uh, I appreciate your thoughts too. Of, of course, man. It's very kind of you to say. I hold you in extremely high regard. And uh, I think the Seahawks got better in the last two days. We, we can argue about whether or not they could have got even better, but they closed the gap between themselves and the Super Bowl contenders so far in this draft all right y'all that does it for another phenomenal day in the evolution of the seahawks please make sure you're following danny o'neill davis sue and griffin sturgeon on twitter to get more of what you heard today and stay tuned for details on the official cigar thought cigar release early next week we'll give you everything you need to know to get a piece of this incredible cigar release i'm telling you these things are phenomenal I'm not just saying it because it's got my name on it. I'm saying it because I put this in front of lifetime cigar smokers who are telling me they love it. We appreciate your support. Purchasing these cigars, that's what's going to allow us to continue to grow this thing. Make it more and more of what brings you back to listening. As for us, you can find Mike and I on social media as well. I am on Twitter at at Jackson Bevins. That's J-A-C-S-O-N. Mike is on Twitter at, at Mike Barwin, and the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram at Cigar Thoughts NFL, on TikTok 
at Cigar Thoughts, and on Facebook at Cigar Thoughts Football Show. Of course, you can listen to this show and read every article at fuelgoals.com slash cigar thoughts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like the show, please drop us the five-star rating, leave a quick review. Thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of the show. We know you've only got so much time for audiobooks, music, podcasts, and it's an honor to be a part of that for y'all. Please know that by sharing this show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making this happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends. (laughs) 